Welcome to Patriots Nation UK, brought to you by me, your host, Matt Inkster. Hey, what's up guys, and welcome to episode 2 of Patriots Nation UK. I am at Matt Inkster on Twitter, and I blog at PatriotsNationUK.com. This week's episode focuses on fantasy football and what better guest to get on than the best UK fantasy football podcast, the guys from Five Yard Rush, Murph and Stocks. How's it going guys? Yeah, really good mate, thanks for having us on. Appreciate the kind words. We think we're definitely up there but we'll take the best. Yeah, and I'm just like the Patriots, always winning titles. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm hoping to pass on to some of the listeners this week and uh, maybe in the weeks to come of the they're catching up in episodes and um, future times. So, how long have you guys been playing fantasy football exactly? Well, I'll go first because it's nowhere near as long as Murph has. <laughs> I, this is going to be my well. This is the sixth season I would have played, and I started off with only one league in my first year, and then decided I needed more action, so I got progressively more and more and more. And then last year I had 25 leagues, and this year I'm already in. Probably 18 to 20, so it's now some sort of addiction for me, I think, which is hence the reason to start the podcast, because rather than move on to the hard stuff, I felt that if I let my speech out into the world, it would be well received and I wouldn't lose my mind. <laughs> um, I've been playing for the better part of 19 years. Um, I started playing in the year 2000. Um, there was a couple of years off there, maybe in the late 2000s, where um didn't have sort of the leagues I was playing with uh, stateside uh, fell away and uh, then there wasn't any sort of leagues here to play in. It wasn't quite big enough. So there was a couple of years there I probably didn't um, didn't really do it. So probably I'd say 16th, 17th season. So you've basically been playing about half my lifetime. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> All friends here. Oh wow! I might as well just well if it, over if, the hill and we're gone now. Well, I? If it helps, Murph, it's also half my lifetime. So, and you're a year older than me. So you've been playing for half my lifetime as well. Matt. Well, there you go. I should clarify, guys. I've just turned thirty-four. Right? I'm not fifty. I'm not some you know middle-aged man who's sitting in an armchair or a lazy boy or a standard stair lift. You know, I'm thirty-four. <laughs> it's the second time today that I've been made to feel old. So, cheers. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better or not, then I'm the same age as you guys. Uh, well, I'm the same age as you, Mark. I was 34 past January. So, you're um, good. Well, you made yourself feel old. That makes you feel better. <laughs> well, exactly. So, uh, take what you can, I guess. <laughs> so, you you were playing fantasy football, and I'm guessing you've been friends for quite a while then, have you? Or was it just a progression? Well, you would be, you know... On Twitter or online or... Because you're obviously in close proximity that you can be in the same studio at the same time there. So Murph and I met via a mutual friend at a live fantasy football draft two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. So before that, didn't know it existed. Um, It comes across like we know each other for years. I think that's just because... We share so many of the same values and stuff, and it comes across in a way that is perceived as a long-time friendship. And don't get me wrong, the friendship will 
roll on forevermore. But yeah, it's only been a short time and, and we met through fantasy football, no social medias. We met in a pub in a town called Epsom where the Derby is run and here we are today. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a home league that we play in. So I was in that league and then the league expanded and uh, and Stocks joined it. And yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, we sort of like first year, we chatted a little bit, but it was kind of like last off season, we, we chatted a lot more, we talked a lot about ball and, and then yeah, we just sort of hit it off. Some people you just really click with, and uh, yeah, we we did. And now we spend uh, every Tuesday together. And uh, outside of my wife, I probably see him the most. Uh, well, at least, <clears throat> at least you met the uh, old-fashioned way. So I guess that is kind of showing your age, really. <laughs> yeah, we did not meet on Tinder. <laughs> oh man, alive! If Tinder was around when I was actually single person but anyway that's for another time um so you stocks you started five yard rush with um some of your buds before murph got involved why why five yard rush and why the podcast and the and obviously the website and things that you guys have got as well was it something you'd always look to to do and murph did you look to get involved from the get-go or was it something that you know happened because of some random magical unicorn or whatever. I'll take magical unicorn. I, <laughs> I like that phrase. Use that from now on in. Um, so what basically happened is we, I had a standard fantasy football league with my close friends and my best friend and I just decided we'd just start a podcast. on a, We were both free Tuesday evenings and we thought, we'll start a podcast to talk smack about the other people in the league. And that was literally all it was. We'd run through the results, talk about who picked good players, who didn't. It was just pure banter. And then, for some, I don't even know how it happened because our social media footprint was tiny. And I don't even know if you knew it existed until I asked you to come on. We talked about it a couple of weeks beforehand. Uh, but yeah, so not really, not during the first season of Five Yard, did you know it was there? Because no, literally only the 10 people in the league basically knew. And then I think. My my old mate, my current mate Sparky, he did the sort of social media side and he got in a bit of contact on Twitter with a few people and then he started his own business and got real busy real quick and sort of left me in the hot seat on my own. And like Murph said, we've been talking and I said to her, I said, Murph, I'm in dire straits, mate. I've got a podcast tonight and I'm on my own. Can you get to my flat in five hours? And he jumped at the chance and then all by a couple of episodes, that's how she wrote at least it was a nice organic process then. It wasn't sort of mechanical and pushed together because it doesn't come across like that. Um, no, no, no. When I listen to it, it comes across quite natural, which is maybe why you've, in my eyes and ears, it's why you've got so many listeners and followers because, you know, you could be a drab, you know, Markham, well, not Markham and Wise, but, you know, the two old guys that sit in the balcony on the Muppets, you could be something like that. But um, And in fairness, it is quite like that really Murph and I just get together on a Tuesday and we chat football that's all it is and we're lucky that we can bear each other's voices for an hour or depends how long you've been with each other for that day we're into our what now fourth hour today and we just we love it so to find somebody else who loves it as much as I do and then to be able to talk to him like I'm talking to myself essentially which I suppose is the non-insane way of putting 
describing our relationship as I'm literally almost talking to myself about fantasy football. Yeah, we're, we're, we're probably not far off the point where we're going to face each other's sentences at some point soon. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think ultimately, I think what, what makes it work is we just, we just have fun doing what we do. Like, there's no, there's no real pressure or, or expectation. Like, I'm an ambitious person in, in what I do and what I've done to, to date. And I don't really do things just to sort of kill time. Everything I do is, is for some form of purpose or, or meaning, whether that's just, you know, having fun blowing off steam. Um, but also the opportunity to do this is, is given us the opportunity to do things that I never thought we would ever get to do. And a lot of that, I think, comes from the fact that we just, kind of what what you hear is is who we are like there isn't any real playing up like i'm a bit like a bit of a big kid at heart really i like to joke and prank and 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 have a bit of a laugh and, and stocks are similar we have quite similar sense of humor and uh you know we're quite we're quite lucky that, that we just we just click some people you just meet and you just get on with and you end up being mates with for for a lot of years and, and we're both social people we both just like we both really you know, have good friendship groups and there's a little bit of overlap there, but ultimately we just, just, we have the same interests and, and also it's just nothing better to talk about football and getting to speak to the people we get to speak to on a, on a weekly basis. It really sharpens up your hunger and desire to, to do this. And I never, ever have a day where I think, oh, I don't want to talk about football or I don't want to talk to stocks or I don't want to do the podcast. Like it's, it's never got to that point because it's just so much fun every single day. And it's, it's the best non-paid job I've ever had. Completely agree. Yeah. I've, I can't argue with not, um, not chatting football because I mean, you know, that's what we're here for. That's what I've created Patriots nation UK for. That's why you guys have created rush nation and who, if you're into the sport, why wouldn't you want to talk about it 24-7? And for anyone that's um, not familiar with my concept, this is a Patriots podcast, but my concept is to bring everyone... UK, UK really I want to get involved with, but ultimately worldwide, football is a worldwide sport. So I've brought Stocks and Murph on this episode to talk fantasy We'll go. We'll go into Patriots shortly because it's a Patriots podcast, and we'll get into the season in general. But tell me, guys, what is who do you support? I know who you support, but tell the listeners who you support and why you um, came to support that team. Yeah. So in the year two thousand, I moved to Orlando. I was fourteen, um, and so in Orlando, well, in Florida, the state of Florida, there's there's three teams. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars were quite new, and they were a little bit of a a joke uh, then. Really, they were like never been to the playoffs, and uh, it just kind of you know really didn't kind of work. Um, Miami was probably a bit too far. Um, so Tampa was actually the closest to to where I lived, um, and the easiest place to to get to games. And the first couple of months, as I was sort of adjusting um, to life over there and going to school over there. You know, a couple of guys pulled me and we started talking about sport. I didn't really know much about it. I'd watched little bits in, in England, but not loads. And um, one of the guys there was a Bucks fan. He got me in the fantasy football. We got into a league and, um, you know, we went to a game um, probably the following season, 2001. 
and the Bucks were pretty good then as well. That I'm not going to lie, that 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 didn't hurt. Um, they were a playoff team then under Tony Junji, and they had some national relevance. And um, of the three teams, they were probably the, the most exciting. And the fact they were closest, and the fact I could get to a game was was kind of why I did it. And uh, blessed enough to go watch them in the Super Bowl a couple of years later uh, in San Diego and watch them win that. And yeah, been a, been a loyal fan ever since. I've never never swayed once I picked my team. Uh, it always works, and they play in red, which is you know fitting. It's fitting. I've always supported teams that, that play in red, so um, kept the theme. So it, it all just married together. It's perfect for me. Um, do you know? I find stories of how people come to support a team, especially in England, really interesting. Uh, our good friend Lee from the All Thirty Two website and podcast, he supports his team because. The flight he was scheduled to get to America got changed to a different city. So the city he landed in was not the city he was supposed to be landing in. And that's how he became to be a Dolphins fan, which is mad. But I'm a Broncos fan. And it was because I think in 2004, the Madden demo had the Broncos playing the Falcons. And it was in the third quarter and the Broncos were up. So I picked the team that were up. And that is how I became a Denver Broncos fan in this pure and simple because there was two teams and I picked the winning team out of the two. Nice. I've got a favourite guest that I've listened to on uh, Five Yard Rush, but who do you guys think um, is your favourite guest? Do you agree or do you disagree and have different opinion on who your best guest is? What a question. How do you possibly, I mean, I'm not big enough up here, but how do you possibly pick a favourite from, do you know what, actually, I'm, I'm no, rubbish. I'm going to say Joe Pizapia. Like both times he's come on the podcast, he's absolutely smacked it out of the park. And he's such a top lad as well. So, yeah, Joe P's appeared for me. And he shouted us out on his pod. So, yeah, Joe, Joe's up there. I, I speak to Joe still quite a bit on Twitter and we exchange messages. And uh, he's kind enough to name drop us every once in a while um, on the Fantasy Black Book podcast. And I love his work and what he does. But he's just a, a really all round awesome guy. For me, uh, see, I'm surprised by your answer. Yeah, I know. Bit. You would have thought I said Andy, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought you would have said Andy Hollyway because for you, that was such a fanboy. Um, yeah, no, that, that was big for me because like, that's how I started listening to fantasy football podcasts and listened to the ballers. And Andy was good, but I think Joe really came on and embraced how we do. Do you know what I mean? He came on and didn't. he didn't come on. He sort of got on board with Five Yard Rushes as opposed to coming on and you know Andy was big time for me and I will always remember that and if the other ballers want to come on if you're listening guys help yourself but yeah Joe for me was just fire both times so yeah see I, I think for me it'd be it'd be Mark Sessler um, from the Around the NFL podcast and it's, it's not just the name it's him and I have a very similar sense of humour um, it's that quite dry uh, wit where you say something not to get a laugh, but because it's just naturally funny. And he <laughs> is just one of those people that is just very, very funny to a select amount of people. And I fit into that category. So he came on and it was just absolutely brilliant to, to talk to him and to hear it. I loved the story about him when he last came over last year and, you know, going to seek out his family home in Weybridge and, I, I, and those sorts of things I just thought was was phenomenal. But I, I agree with Stocks that, you know, we're so blessed to have had the guests that we've had on in the, the time that we've been doing this. And every person that comes on 
is just it it always blows my mind not just the fact they're on but actually how personal they're willing to get and and actually we get a lot of feedback from them afterwards not just the, the wishy-washy yeah, yeah that we enjoyed that but actually people stay in contact afterwards Andy Singleton was someone who was on recently and he really embraced what we do and we chat quite a lot now um, and so that some of these people are people who I've been listening to on podcasts for ages and like now we interact with them like it's just like we're it, it blows my mind and, and the people that have been overly generous with their time it, it's been amazing for us who out of interest Matt, who's your favourite guest on our podcast well it's my my one is Scott Hansen uh, Mr Red Zone himself it was it actually blew my mind when I you know fired up my, my podcast app refreshed to see what uh, new ones were there to listen to and I was just like no that that's not the name that I think it is it's press not. play and sure enough yeah it was him I was like yeah you you guys are on a, a different level when you're getting guests on like Mark Sessler and Scott Hansen that's for sure but in a fancy sense yeah I agree Joe was amazing also Bob Long I really enjoyed his uh, listen to him the other week as well so, so it's interesting those two people Scott, we were very lucky in the sense of somebody set up a mutual introduction for us. It was um, it was Stuart uh, Love who's joined our team recently, and um, it, he was kind enough to put us in touch. and And Scott was was fantastic in in wanting to come on, and uh, he actually came over to England recently, and he was uh, going to visit Oxford, and I was trying to share some advice. My mum lives up there, so um, was helping him with a, with a bit of that. Uh, in terms of travel and logistics, because he wasn't here for very long, but what a genuine bloke! And uh, and Bob, Bob was really funny because Bob messaged us um, wanting to come on, and I've actually not I'd seen bits and pieces, but hadn't put two and two together. And he came on, and um, yeah, I mean, what a what a brilliant bloke! And it's quite funny because he was on at the same time, like the same week as Andy Singleton. And then since I've seen them do like four podcasts together, it seems to me those two are just simultaneously linked right now. And it's <laughs> weird because there's no actual connection between them. And the fact that we had them on in back-to-back days, and yeah, it was, it was funny. And uh, Bob's a, Bob's a, an absolutely awesome bloke if you don't follow him and, and you haven't read the Consistency Guide, then definitely do because it, it, it's a brilliant uh, piece of work and something I, I really resonate with. Yeah, Andy, uh, I think he tweeted out asking for um, guest invites um, because since I listened to him, I've started following him on Twitter as well. And um, he's something, someone I might reach out to myself um, in future podcasts, but we'll wait and see what happens there. And from all your guests that you've had on, as I've heard what they've been saying um, to yourselves and to Rosh Nation about um, podcasting and or blogging or whatever it might be, but is there anything from yourselves point of view or from guests that have said it to you and it's resonated with you that you thought yeah I can pass it on to somebody else how what advice would you give to listeners oh man I always ask that and I've never been asked it. I love that I love that I think for me there's two things uh, I think number one it's massively important to just be you don't try and be somebody you're not don't try and emulate somebody else you know, the the market in podcasting and writing and everything is saturated now, but that's not because 
there isn't the thirst for it. That's because there's so many people who want to do it. And just because there are other people out there doesn't mean you can't do it. I mean, take us, for instance, you know, we're sat in what formerly was my mum's double garage at the end of her garden. You're at home. We're not in professional setups. We're just three chaps who happen to be 33 and 34 years of age that aren't old. Um, <laughs> we're just talking football over the medium <laughs> of internet. So I think for me, the first one is be yourself. Create your own content. Don't try and be somebody else. And then secondly, just reach out and talk to other people because the people we've met, whether they be celebrities of a term in, in the football world or just general people who are like us, everybody is nice if you approach them in the right way and everybody will help you out and just be friendly. So be yourself and go out and communicate with the community because it is big out there. Yeah, I, I I resonate with all of that 100%, especially the authentic part. At the end of the day, whether there's five people that listen to us or, or 500 or 5,000 or whatever it is, it, it, it kind of, it matters to me. Like I like to know because it shows that what we're doing works, but we also aren't trying to manufacture something that isn't us it's stuff that we would put out there regardless on if it was 500 or five or five thousand or five people um the same conversation we would have to an intimate group of people is the same we would have out on on the podcast it just i, I guess to to look at those numbers is just to understand oh is what we're saying resonating with people or do we need to change the messaging um or, or, or it's more about how it's delivered not what we're saying and i think where we're very fortunate is that we haven't had to think too hard about how we put across things. We just do it and people have really responded to it. And part of that is, is luck. It's an element of luck because you can't really anticipate how people are going to respond to your stuff, but it's always being critical and, and analyzing what you're doing. I would say that the biggest piece of feedback I can give to anybody who, who starts this is, is don't half ask it. Just really, go and, and give everything if you want to do this don't go into the mindset you're going to make a lot of money from this but if you're going to do it as a passion project it's going to be a hobby of yours you you've got to commit to it and you've got to do it with everything that you've got um, and that means being consistent putting a podcast out every week not just doing it willy-nilly because that you can't build anything if people don't know when you're putting content out we might miss a day where we might, you know, we released our podcast this week on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. But nobody in Rush Nation is worried that we're not going to put a podcast out because we never not put one out. Stocks has missed a couple. I've missed a couple. These things happen. But one of us is always on hand to put something out. And we always, it doesn't mean we just put something out for the sake of it. It's still the same quality stuff. It's just the case of we have to know that every week somebody is steering the ship and someone is doing it it's much easier when there's two people but if you are going to do this even if it is just a hobby even if you, and i'm not saying you gotta put one out every week it might be every two weeks it might be once a month but just be consistent with it so that people know when it's going to be dropping and people know that okay you're just gonna you know you're gonna be dropping something soon um so they always keeps them engaged because otherwise you just one day won't drop a podcast and then it might be two weeks 
and people might just think they've given up because a lot of people do. A lot of people do podcasts. They do 10 episodes. They see they've only got their mum, the sister, a couple of their mates and a couple of people down the pub listening. And, and I'm not trying to like belittle that. I'm just saying, but that that's where Stocks did this for nine months, a year nearly, where there were 20, 30 people listening tops. If that. I mean. And and that, again, it's not like I came on and things just clicked. We you know we worked very hard at it. We we put out a schedule. We were consistent in what we did. I reached out to people, got some people to randomly take a chance and listen, and then that kind of helped. But it it takes a lot of work just to get to that stage. I didn't have to build something from scratch, so I'm very lucky in that regard. I walked into something that was functioning and moving and, and sorted and. I just came in and gave opinions, but it, it, the one thing that we've always stood by is that we put something out and we put something out that meets our standard. And if we, if we can't meet our standard, we don't do it. I, I would tap onto that as well. Enjoy it. Cause like I've said, you know, people do give up after. And I think if you're not enjoying it, people will be able to tell in the product you put out. If, if Murph and I suddenly, weren't enjoying this and were just doing it and came across, you know, drab and bored at the principal uh, prospect of doing it and but still did it and you could tell, people aren't going to want to listen to that as well. So, you know, and there is no shame in stopping either. If you're doing something and, and your mindset changes or just go out and enjoy it because when you enjoy it, stuff will happen. And, you know, I say this, like I just mentioned, we sat in my mum's garage, but if everything stopped today and everything just went poof, and there was nothing else but me and Murph sat here, I think that we would probably still sit here talking football every Tuesday because, you know, I reached out to the community and I've gained a friend from it. So if you enjoy it, you'll gain friends, if nothing else. Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's the real key to it. And the things I say is it's not about being successful. It's just about being true to yourself and, and true to what you do. And I think the only way that you can truly accept doing this and because it's a lot of work people think oh you just sit in front of a, a, a microphone and you talk but actually stocks and i work on the podcast every day we don't have a day off from it um we're always putting content together or thinking about new ideas or drafting in listener leagues or pulling people in or speaking to people on twitter it's, it's a huge um commitment of resource and, and time and and that's where that enjoyment factor comes in. There's never one day I've ever felt, oh, I just don't really want to talk about this today. And I'm sure that maybe that day might come, um, maybe just once. But at this point in, in our lives and, and what we're doing, it, it's all about just having a crack with a, a great friend. And, and you know, that's, that's the best thing you could do for me. Yeah, I totally agree, guys. I can't... Um really add much else to what you've said um i mean obviously this podcast is in its infancy and i'm so grateful to you guys coming on and evening to help out and just <clears throat> listen to what you guys are saying there um i'm totally enjoying it i'm you know starting to put in the the time and the effort myself and yeah i realize that it's going to be a lot of work to to build this from episode one going onwards but you know if if your goal i would say this to people and um reiterating what morpha said if your goal is 20 people or 30 people and you're happy with that then you know that's that's brilliant that's not um 
to be belittled at all, as Murph says. But if your goal is to go higher than that, then push yourself as far as you can go and see where it takes you. And, you know, if at the end of the day, as the guys are saying, if you stop one day and you go, well, I gave it my best shot, then, you know, what have you got to lose? So, excuse me, moving on, guys. Um, this is, as I've said previously, this is a Patriots podcast. So, um, what... In terms of fantasy, how do you see the Patriots' um, season going? Or out with fantasy, how do you see the Patriots' season going in general? Patriots and fantasy. Yeah. Uh, To to interject just before you answer the question, is I I try and stay away. Unless there's a stud receiver or if you're playing in an IDP league, a stud receiver, lineman or something that you, you've got your eye on. To be honest, I actually stay away from Patriots players in drafts and throughout the league in general, unless there's somebody you can see and you've picked them up in the waiver wire that's hit a hot streak for maybe between like weeks 10 and, and 15 or something like that. But in general, I actually stay away from them. Well, that's completely fair. I mean, there's a couple of players this year that I think, well, maybe even one that you can lock in as an absolute stud, and that's Julian Edelman. I think with Gronk gone, Julian Edelman takes on even more of a role. I think actually, I think there might be two. I think James White can be in that category as well. Only in PPR, I would say. Yeah, only in PPR, but he's he's going to take on some of Gronk's workload as well. Matt Lacoste, you know, he's going to be there the first four weeks, but then Benjamin Watson comes back. Who knows what happens to that muddy backfield? Then I say backfield tight end room. Sony Michelle, what? They drafted Damian Harris with a third-round pick. That's not nothing. You know, you don't take Sony Michelle in the first last year. And then people forget Damian Harris was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He was the highest-rated running back coming out of high school. And it was only last year that Josh Jacobs, they say, take on the lead role. But he only had 100-and-something touches, I think, last year, Josh Jacobs. They split the load so evenly, Josh Jacobs suddenly got in front of Damian Harris and people sort of forgot about Damian Harris, but like I said, he was the best running back coming out of high school, and he's now playing in arguably one of the best teams for a running back this year in fantasy. So people are going to sleep on Damian Harris, and I, I think there's value to be had there. I think in a in a redraft format, a player like Damian Harris is a player I probably wouldn't invest too much in unless I had Sony Michelle and I was backing him up. And to be honest, I wouldn't take a hand a handcuff. This, this early. I mean, he's the sort of player in, in the last couple of rounds if he's available. But I think people take him. Uh, I couldn't agree more with, with Stocks when it comes to um, Julian Edelman. Um, I think in a dynasty league, you can start considering Damian Harris a bit more. You'd be targeting uh, Nikhil Harry and there would be the sort of players. Uh, but uh, Tom Brady's a fade. Um, James White in PPI is, is fine. Um, I don't think he's going to have as good a season that he did last season. Last season, he was a, a, a running back one. So he was in the top 12 running backs last season, even though he did most of his work with his hands um, catching balls. I don't think he goes that high, but I do think he does remain in the top 24 this year. So I think he's a, he's a, an ad in uh, one-point PPRs, in half-point PPRs. I don't think he makes enough difference on the ground to do that. And in standard leagues, I just... He's kind of a, a desperation. You're drafting late just to have someone a bit extra. So the, the, the thing you've got to remember is 
the Patriots do so many unique things with their scheme and their mentality isn't about having half a dozen star players and then just a load of other guys on their roster. Every person on that, on that roster is, is purposely built and designed to do something in the team, whether it's offense, defense. They invest more in special teams than, than any other team ever has or ever will. And it's because Belichick sees people and he puts them in the right positions to succeed, which is fantastic in delivering Super Bowls and, and creating dynasties. But it's pretty bad from a fantasy perspective because you get people like Cordell Patterson, who was, you know, quote unquote, running back, lining up a wide receiver, doing bits and pieces last year. And it just is or, or vice versa. It's yeah. just a bit of a, a, a muddy field as to who, who gets what and, Bill doesn't care about your fantasy team. No, because James Devlin's <laughs> so many touchdowns last oh, year. Yeah. So Michelle could have had. And then all of a sudden, James Devlin's there and touchdown. You think, yeah, cheers. But then the Patriots are built to get to the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. They notoriously start slow, which is no good for fantasy. They don't, they don't really show their hand until midway through the, the regular season. And by then, anybody you've rostered as a, as a starter, you're in trouble. So, yeah. Yeah, I think in uh, the Dynasty League I play, and I picked up uh, Patterson for a little while. Um, luckily, when he hit his heart streak before he was dumped out of the team again. But yeah, no, to, I totally agree with you guys. I think Edelman is the one and only person I would look at taking um, Dynasty format. I would look at Harry and Harris um, looking to be going forward with them. But again, they go running back committee quite a lot. They pull out different schemes all the time. You just don't know. And as you're saying, Devlin pops up now and again, or it could be Brandon Bolden this year coming up with that sort of play. So, I mean, where do you go with it, really? Do you think that you stick with Brady? But again, he doesn't really care. He's quite happy handing the ball off and to White or um, Michelle if his knee holds up. So offensively I'm not so sure but defensively I think the if you're picking up anyone um, for defence I think you've got a chance um, with certain players but who do you guys think um, could be defensively um, quite good for fantasy this year and what did you think of the Patriots draft in terms of fantasy for the 2019 season? Well, you Chase Minovich, decent ad. Third round, defensive end. He's going to have some IDP value. Murph's looking at me like he's not, but, you know. Maybe the dynasty IDP, but... Well, that's what I was going, like, real deep, doesn't. Yeah. Massive. I'm just saying, he's their top defensive player added, apart from Joe John Williams, but... Yeah. Cornerbacks don't matter in IDP. No. I, for me, if you're playing IDP this year as a Patriots fan... You're looking to pick players up. There's only two players that rank in the top 101 players in IDP. It's Jamie Collins and uh, Michael Bennett. They're grouped. Jamie Collins I'd have probably slightly above in a tier. Um, I have about six, seven spots away from each other. Um, but I would probably have Jamie Collins just slightly higher because he's a linebacker and tackles seem to get uh, rewarded a bit more. But I think Michael Bennett is a pretty safe defensive end option if you sort of miss out on the first few tiers of players and you're looking to get an additional like bench player to come in for uh, a spot or maybe your second or third defensive end, depending on how your league is structured. So uh, from an IDP perspective, those are those are the guys that target. As for the uh, draft, 
well, the Patriots had the, the best draft. I really liked Harry. We talked about him. I think he's he's going to be special. You know, you're talking about three years in Arizona State, got nearly 3,000 yards, 22 touchdowns. He's going to be, for me, I, I see him working very similar to um, that sort of slot receiver role that, that Larry Fitzgerald has adopted in in the later years of his career. Um, in terms of the, the you know, uh, Joe Duan, you know, he, he, it's interesting. I wasn't a big fan of the pick at the time. Um, I just didn't really understand why corner was taken in the second round. It just didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, don't get me wrong, he was a, a great player last year with four interceptions and uh, passes broken up. I think he had 14, 15. He had, uh, you know, six, over 60 tackles. Um, and he played in the SEC, which is a great place in term, when it comes to marking um, wide receiver talent because so much of the SEC um, wide receiver core, you know, you know, develop such great wide receivers in the league. But, you know, he's a huge, um, he's a huge corner. You know, he's, he's not the quickest, but he has really good production. But, I mean, for me, I would have taken Irv Smith there. I felt that was such a crying need for the Patriots. I don't quite understand why he didn't go. Winovich, Stocks mentioned, is a, a specialist, but he's a big leader. Um, I think he's going to be um, a good player for future years, but it depends how quickly he adopts. Harris, we talked about. I'm not the biggest Harris guy. He's very north-south. He's fine, but uh, you know, for me, I just, you know, he's got a good yard per carriage, but he doesn't have that burst. So he's not going to be the guy who's going to break off a lot of 20, 30 yard runs. And Michelle is going to be the guy who, if he's fit, will get the goal line carries, will get those explosive plays. Whereas I think Harris is just a safe, you know. Five-yard carry a person, five-yard rush. Um, Boom! He will <laughs> keep that on form and, and do that. Caduce, uh, I really liked. I thought this was one of my favourite picks, and um, to get him at one hundred and one, I thought it was uh, for me. Walks into the team, um, great in pass protection. He's really smooth, uh, good size, six foot five, three hundred fifteen pounds. Really liked him. Um, really coachable guy. Um, and the fact that you've got Isaiah Wynn coming off an Achilles injury, um, and also Isaiah Wynn isn't really a model left tackle. Um, I think he's just slots in there really nicely. And, you know, eventually when you got to move on from Trent Brown or, or, or Marcus Cannon, um, he can switch to the right as well. So I think Kajust is a guy to get really excited about and really uh, love that pick. For me, one of my favourite picks in that sort of round. Um, throw hole... Uh, you know, sixth round player taken in the fourth round, you know, doesn't really do much to be excited about. And again, I'm I'm quite surprised they didn't go safety there. Um, I'd have probably taken Amani Hooker, who went the pick after. Thought he was a much better uh, prospect and a position of need for the Patriots. So didn't really get that one. Um, I really like Jared Stidham. You're not going to see him probably in the Patriots uniform all that often. But that kid throws an absolutely gorgeous ball. He probably throws the best ball of any of the quarterbacks on the roster. Um, he just, unfortunately, because he played behind a really poor offensive line, he is a little bit scared and he's going to need that drummed out of him. But in terms of coachability, in terms of character, he's an absolutely flawless guy and he's someone who can have a career in the NFL, but he's going to need um, a little bit of help. Uh, Coward, I mean... My big worry with him is coming into uh, into college football, he was the number one defensive line prospect in the country. 
So he was a huge high school recruit and he just didn't do it at Auburn. Um, he had problems with the coaching staff and then he left, went to community college, went back the hard way and then got to Maryland, got some mentions on the conference teams. But if you can't get on with the coaching staff at Auburn, how are you going to get on with the coaching staff at the Patriots, which is arguably the most demanding coaching staff you're going to get. So I, I have some real concerns with that pick, but he was 159th overall. Uh, Jake Bailey, I'm not going to talk about too much because he's a punter. I don't know why you take a punter, but Bill loves special teams. So uh, crack on. The fact you traded up for him was a bit weird, but whatever. And Ken Webster, hey, you know, he's picked 252. Um, the guy can jump. He's, he, you know, for he's got a huge vertical. I think he did 43 inches at the combine. And, you know, for a guy who's 203 pounds, he still put up 225 in the bench press 18 times. That's quite impressive. But this kid was, you know, a really good freshman, tore his ACL, then he got arrested for shoplifting. Um, and then he was pretty much a part-time starter in, in 2018. I mean, he's a seventh-round pick. You shouldn't really look at it all that much. But I don't think he's someone that's going to stick around on the Patriots roster all too often. Yeah, last week on um, episode one, myself and my friend Stephen, we um, went a bit in-depth on Jarrett Stidham. And we did a comparison between him and Jimmy Garoppolo because I can see huge comparisons between the two of them and I can see a big future for him in the future and depending on how deep um, we haven't drafted in my dynasty league yet so depending on how deep they go um, because they're it's I'm not even going to try and explain it because even I can't fathom what we're doing yeah. exactly because the the in this off season we've gone and added we had a 10 round um defensive uh, draft that is being added in to deepen the roster so and now they're talking about deepening the rookie um selections that we can get so i think it's set up for just now i think there's only six rounds in the rookie draft um but if they go deeper then i think i'm going to look at him and stash my way for future um years to come but how do you guys work out your your strategy for fantasy is there any tips that you can pass on to listeners oh matt not to you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, tip, well... Without giving your, your game away for winning all those championships. Look, listen, what we say on the podcast is Bible to us. There isn't anything that we don't put out because at the end of the day, we just want leagues to be more competitive and people to enjoy their fantasy football. So if we know it, Rush Nation knows it and we'll come and tell you guys as well. I think the biggest tip is... If you're going to go into the draft with a game plan, you're going into the draft wrong. It doesn't matter where you're drafting and how many mocks you do. When it comes to your actual draft, it will be different to everything you've seen. So you can't possibly go into the draft thinking, I'm going to do X when, let's, fake, let's just play devil's advocate here. If you're drafting at five and somehow Saquon Barkley gets to you at five, but you're thinking at five, I'm taking uh, Nuke Hopkins at five. You can't tell me you're going to take Hopkins over Barkley at five. It's just that's never going to happen. So and that is a very extreme example, I grant you. But staying fluid in your draft and knowing what's going on around you, I think, is my biggest tip. I, I would say for me, it's understanding the league and the people that you're playing with. Because the way that you've got to view fantasy football, the way I view it is I view it as... It's very similar to how I approach playing poker. Um, you've got, whether it's online or whether it's, you know, in live, 
you've got to uh, have a game plan to a degree. Not obviously, what Stocks said is, is true, and I, I say that a lot. And it, you you have to be fluid, but you have to know where the advantages are. You have to know where you can get an edge over other people. So that is knowing the ADPs of that league so that you know where you can roughly get people because you'll find and, and knowing who the people are in your league who draft to ADP and knowing who the people are a bit savvy. Every league has a fish. Every league has somebody who just isn't as confident, doesn't do the work, doesn't do the knowledge checking, doesn't listen to the podcast, turns up for the crack of it. And they're the people that will just select the highest rated ADP player. If the sooner you identify that person and the people that are like that in your league, you're already going to get an advantage because you effectively know who they're going to draft. You, you know when they do who they're drafting. And so if you can get that kind of advantage to either snipe those players or to uh, get extra value behind those sorts of players, that's really huge. So it's understanding how, and, and we talked about this on the podcast the other week, uh, teams that people support and knowing that actually those players will have a premium on, Browns fans will have a huge premium on Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, and those are the sorts of things. And, and if you've got a sleeper, you know, uh, mentioned Lee from, from All32 UK, um, we're in a dynasty draft recently and I was, you know, we I was drafting in the 101, he was drafting in the 102. And some of the guys I was actively targeting were Dolphins players, Mike Kozeki, uh, Albert Wilson Jr. So I knew I had to take those players I could have probably, in any other draft, waited another two or three rounds on them. I still got them at a very good price, and still later than I have them on my draft board. But I also knew that I couldn't wait too long because I knew that that Lee would take them. And that's because I knew he's a Dolphins fan, and I know that he knows about these players. He watches them, he sees them. He's very good in what, in what his knowledge is of Miami Dolphins. So all those sorts of things pieced together. It's like when you go to play poker, you, you have to know, you have to start reading people and know how they play the game. And then you get better information as a result of their reads. And that's the kind of information that you can have. And it's not one at the draft, but this is where you can take a giant stride towards championships. But more importantly, if you can then understand their roster and the way they process, you know exactly how those people will work the waiver wire and you know where you're going to get your advantage. <clears throat> so basically you're saying is don't go into the draft thinking you're going to draft all Patriots players then well if you do that you're going to come last anyway <laughs> yeah good for Super Bowls bad for fantasy yeah I think so I uh, quite agree um, so looking at pre-season and into the regular season itself is there anything you guys do is there any key things you look at what would be your top three tips for pre-season and the season itself I think pre-season keeping an eye on players in OTAs and stuff with injuries and stuff like that because there may be a bargain if somebody gets injured and people don't know who the people are behind them in the rosters I think you might be able to get a value later on in the draft in those players and then in the regular season I think it's just staying on top of injury reports and knowing who is a good waiver ad when. Like injury reports, they the, they might have an injury designation of an ankle injury and you might not think they're going to play, but the team has to give it a designation of some sort. So the designation be, could be 
much greater than it actually is. And you might take them out of your lineup thinking they're not going to play and actually they play. So just because it comes up with questionable on the app you're playing on, like have a little bit more of a deep dive into what the injury actually is and find out whether it's serious or not. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to preseason, um, a lot of people are going to look at the first couple of games of preseason and say, oh, this person's playing and this person's playing. First two games of preseason are irrelevant. And what you see in the games is a, is a, is a fraud. It's not actually what's going to happen. Um, the week of preseason that you want to watch and pay attention to is week three. Because effectively, the week three is the last preseason game for starters. So I want to see who plays in week three and then ultimately who barely or doesn't play in week four. Because then that's telling me where the coach is on their roster positions. Um, I'm looking at what they're doing in, in practice. I want to know who's taking the first team reps. I want to know what percentage of those reps they're getting. During the season, injuries stocks mentioned is so key because you, if you're seeing players ending up on designation more than a couple of times, it means they've got a recurring injury at some point. They're going to go down. Matt Breeder being the rare exception of that. Um, so you just know that you have to find a replacement for that player at some point. I'm looking at people who are getting increased usage and decreased usage. So I'm looking at progression and regression. I'm looking at someone who started week one. And a great example of, of a regression candidate is Deshaun Jackson. Weeks one through four of last season, he was the wide receiver one in fantasy football. The wide receiver one. And you knew it wasn't sustainable. You knew as soon as Fitz Magic was going to stop throwing the football, you knew that the regression was coming. So I knew he was a huge fake candidate. Ride that lightning while you can and then ditch him. Don't think that he's going to do the same thing. The same way that I looked at people like Derek Henry. And when people were dropping Derek Henry off rosters, I was seeing that as huge buys. Because I knew at some point, because he's done it every season, he has a period where he just goes crazy. Not as cr I mean, listen, I don't expect him to go as crazy as he did. But he was a huge buy going into the fantasy playoffs. And the fact that people were willing to give him up for peanuts or just dropping him completely meant I got a huge advantage in a couple of leagues. That probably won me the league because I ended up getting a player that I knew was going to go off. And I, you could see it in the weeks building up to it. He was getting more touches. It just was a case of he wasn't breaking away for those big strides, but he was getting more and more usage. So you just knew that a big week was coming. I didn't expect it to be as big as it was. So I think they're, they're really big. And in coaching changes, as soon as a coach gets fired or offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators get fired, that's a real red flag in that whole offense. And everything you've seen to date, unless it's a superstar like a Newt Hopkins or, um, you know, a Lev Bell or someone like that, you have to look at that and say, if, if a player is sort of a marginal or, or a player on the rise, you need to put that to one side and just go, I probably don't want a piece of this because I don't know what, what I'm going to see over the next few weeks. It's um, something I keep an eye out on. It's what you're speaking about with um, Derek Henry, and it was something I kept an eye on with um, Sexy Rexy last season. But I did the stupid thing, and I was like, no, he's not going to perform. He did. The following week, no, he's not going to perform. He did. So he sat on my bench getting like 12, 15 points or whatever it was, and they were absolutely useless to me. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it, a lot of it comes with understanding of the game. Um, and a lot of it comes with understanding like actual football. 
And if you don't know that information, and that's fine, listen, it's, it's not something you pick up naturally, then make sure you have resources like Five Yard Rush, uh, shameless plug, um, but listen to other podcasts or read subscriptions to, and, and if you're really unsure, get in touch with us on Twitter. I can point you in a resource of about 50 different uh, articles, uh, people to follow on Twitter where you can get some incredible information that will basically spell it out to you in plain English um, what you should be doing week to week um, based on what is happening. Because you don't have to, that information is out there. You don't necessarily need to be the one to figure that out. It's just a case of knowing what information is good and what information isn't to help you win your league. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to take that on board. And going into this season, um, you guys at Five Yard Rush will be contact number one for sure. Apart from yeah. our listener league, because I, I don't expect you to give me any tips for that. <laughs> no, we're transparent. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you whatever you... Listen, our, when it comes to the listener leagues, if, if listeners beat us, that just means we've made fantasy football players better. I count that as a win. If if we have trained somebody to take the information we've given them and put them on a higher plane to where they've beaten us, that's a win. Because that, that's exactly what we come in to do. So listen, we're not going to throw stuff um, like we're not going to throw the league so somebody else wins. We're gonna we're gonna play the win, but um, and there's a human element. We can have the perfect strategy and it fall apart. Um, but if people beat us, then you know, I want to hear how. And I want to get better at what I do. And that means listening to people and the strategy they came up with and how they did it. And it, you'll probably get an invite on the podcast um, and talk through <laughs> how you beat it. Because I think that would be value information for me and Stocks and for people who are listening at home. And that all we're trying to do is educate players to be better and make better decisions. Yeah, as you say, you can't count on um, someone like James Devlin rushing in for as many touchdowns as he does to, from three yards out. But, uh, but the, the the draft itself, do you, when do you, in if you're drafting that's not Dynasty or whatever it might be, just a, a standard draft, you know, a brand new league that you've been invited into, um, which I'm sure you've you get many invites, but I know that you've had to start declining them, which is fair enough. I mean, you've only got so many hours in a day to sit and troll through every single league that you go through. But when do you guys usually like to draft? Because myself and a few of the guys I play with, um, we seem to be in the minority. We try and draft in pre-season between three and four, because as you were saying, Marv, you know, week three, you see who your starters are going to be. And then by week four, generally hopefully the ones that you've picked up in your draft aren't playing that week because you know they're starting the following week but is there any time that you guys particularly like to draft or are you quite happy to go from June right through until the start of the season? So I think I think we're I say unique that's not right we drafted our first league months ago and I don't even know why we did because it's way too early but I think we're because we, you know, our podcast doesn't stop. We are three six five. We run all year. I think normally there's two trains of thought. You draft before the preseason, like the NFL does, and then you deal with injuries that occur that way, and it's it's more of a realistic. Or you draft like you just said between preseason games three and four, and then you really know who's locked in, who's injured, who's not, and it gives you a, an easier insight into who's playing. 
yeah, I, I, I am growing more and more wary of drafting the week before a season. I just think it's almost cheating. Everyone <laughs> loves it because everybody like goes, oh, it's great. I now know my entire roster and like I know everyone's fit week one. And it's just like, but that is so dull. Like people go like, it's not fair that I drafted Lev Bell and therefore he got, he didn't play last year, which meant that I've struggled and I therefore lost my league because I drafted Lev Bell. The, you know, the Steelers didn't make the playoffs because Lev Bell didn't play. Ultimately, that's the bottom line. The margin was that thin. They'd have got an extra win if Lev Bell played last year. That's, that's the game. Like, that's why I like it. I want it to be as real as possible. I want it to be, you know, if, if I could do all my leagues in June, I would. And like, yeah, do you know what? If I draft someone and they go down uh, in preseason game one, crap happens. Like, that's just it. Like, but that's the game. Like, I'd rather do that and have time to look at who the replacement is and try and pick them up. Because when it gets to the regular season... If you're playing in a standard league, you have a starter. He goes down week one, David Johnson, two years ago, for example. And then your waiver priority is done on record and then total points gained. I won't have an opportunity to pick that handcuff up because it will go to the person who got less points than me that week. So actually, I think it's almost more penalized. Yes, okay, you start off on an even keel. But actually, you're going to get punished for being successful if you play on a standard waiver wire list. Whereas if that guy goes down in preseason, I just go with the next guy up. I go sign him. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've picked up man flu this week, so um, <laughs> forgive me for my coughs and splutters every now and again. But no, I, do, I after our listener league, um, which we drafted last month now, that was the first time I'd actually done a slow draft with the eight hours per pick, which I much preferred because there was nothing worse than setting aside what could be two to three hours of your evening. And as you say, if you're dead set on doing pre-season three and four, then, you know, your whole week could be sat there, depending on how many leagues you're in, you could be sat there every night for three or four hours on different leagues. And, you know, ultimately, there could be some someone that just doesn't want to take part anymore and they've, they've signed up. So then you're waiting that whole two minutes or however long that your draft is set for just for them to auto-pick. And then, to me, I always find I get disinterested in those leagues because others have got disinterested in them and because, you know, you're up against someone that has got three injuries in their starting lineup, and for some whatever reason you still lose, it's so frustrating. So you just throw in the towel and go, oh, I'm, playing, I'm losing to a computer. It's like playing FIFA or, or Madden, and you just ultimately always lose to the computer. You, you're going to give up sooner than later, I think. So doing the listener league has actually opened my eyes. Um, to be honest, that slow draft is the way to go. I think. Yeah, well, we've enjoyed it. In the listener leagues we've done. The slow draft's been been good fun because it gives plenty more time for banter as well, which is always welcome in fantasy football. Yeah, and people got to got to know each other. Yeah, I think so. But and what what do you find the most challenging aspect of trying to plan for this year's draft and? in comparison to last year's draft or in previous years or just in general, what do you find challenging each year that it's draft season again? 
this year to last year, I'd say the amount of research I've done this year compared to last year is unfathomable. And that's, I've done it off my own back, not because I've had to, but because I've wanted to. And I've probably done too much now as to where I've flooded my brain with numbers and stuff that I might be overthinking myself slightly. Um, and then, yeah, I, I just think, I think that's probably it. I think I've done almost too much research. Not that you can have too much knowledge because that's never a thing, but you don't want to get ahead of yourself almost knowledge-wise. I think for me, uh, there's two things I'm finding more difficult this year than, than ever before. And the first is outside of those top four running backs who are the next four to six because I think every day my opinion changes on it. Um, you know, you had originally the season coming in was five running backs and Gurley's moved back and, you know, is Connor going to stay fit? Is Gordon going to stay fit? Um, what about Dalvin Cook? Is Joe Mixon going to play 16? And a lot of those guys in that group, um, five to ten in terms of running backs, they're all injury concerns. They're all injury concerns. It's trying to work out which one is going to play more games than the other because that's ultimately the only thing you can measure it on you can talk about their production and the teams they're in but if they're not going to play that doesn't really matter so that I find really difficult because it's it's not even looking at their production or their team production it's actually trying to guess how healthy they're going to be and I'm not a doctor so that struggles and the other is just tight end position just uh, keep changing uh, opinions on it I'm at the stage now where Kelsey's in a tier completely of his own and I have another tier um, of, of of Kittle, then I probably put Kittle in his own tier. I've got Ertz in his own tier. Like it's, 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 the tiers are one. But you see, each one is such a such a regression from the next one, and it's trying to figure out where do I take a tight end because in every draft it's completely different. Some people overvalue, some people undervalue, and it's actually where do I sit? Where does that give me the optimum position? You know opportunity to take a player that fits in with my tier that allows me to be successful in every position yeah tight end uh, with the Patriots especially is something that's going to be an interesting view this season from a general fan perspective and from a, a fantasy perspective I think because as we know Watson's banned for the first score four games who's going to come in for those first four games I don't think that's locked in yet and when Watson comes back, is he going to be someone that get walks straight back into the team, or are the other guys going to have produced the goods that he can't walk straight back in? And overall, I agree. Do you take someone like Kelsey or Arts or Kittle in the first, you know, second, third, fourth round, or do you just go, oh, sod it, you know, I'll leave them off my list and I'll pick up someone and in the 20th round and just take who's left because how once you once you're past that probably top three really I mean it's fair game as to who's going to win your points every week I think uh, I disagree with that slightly I think you've got the top three I think Howard is a candidate to someone that will break into that tier his is only health um but he was still a tight end 10 last year and he didn't play six games. That's just crazy. Um, I think Evan Ingram is due a bounce back and without Odell there, 
there's so many targets on on the table and England's going to get a massive share of those. So I think those five are more than serviceable tight ends. And I think each of those two should be taken with as much consideration, not at the same value, but around the fifth, sixth round. Those guys are well worth taking in that position because you've got a safe floor with them. I think with everyone else, that's when you need to decide are you going to take a tight end round, round nine, round ten, or do you punt the position and stream it? As for the, the, the Patriots position on tight end, my advice to anybody listening to this is just fade it. Because Matt Lacoste might start week one or two and he's not a bad tight end. I actually quite like him. He did a decent job for the Broncos last year, but you just don't know what they're going to do. They'll probably end up playing some wide receiver at tight end. Like You couldn't put that outside the realm of possibilities. So trying to figure out what Bill Belichick's going to do isn't going to work. So just fade, fade taking a, a, a tight end from the Patriots. Most people will. And then if one starts to hit on waivers, go grab them. Is that, <clears throat> are there any pitfalls or um, players that you would avoid in in drafting this year? Or any advice that you know of things to avoid? that you've come across in your experience, guys? Players to avoid this year or pitfalls, I think... Apart from Patriots, because obviously they're just all off the board, pretty much apart from Edelman and maybe Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, to avoid... You know, we're not massive fans of Leonard Fournette on the podcast, and that's purely because he doesn't play 16 games. I think... Who else will I not be touching? You see, it's all value because everybody has a value at a certain point in the draft. So Patrick Mahomes, he's not going. Last year he scored the most points a quarterback has ever scored in fantasy football. He's not going to do that again. And if you want to take him in the second round, you're losing out on value there. So, you know, avoid Patrick Mahomes. If he makes it back to you in the fifth, then you're talking. But Patrick Mahomes, who else have I got? I'm slightly worried about Mike Williams. The guy's getting a lot of hype and it's understandable because Tyrone Williams moved on, but Hunter Henry's back and everybody knows the Chargers love to use a tight end, so that could impact Mike Williams and even Keenan Allen to some degree. Um, Murph, you got any? Uh, players? Um, I don't like Dalvin Cook. I can't buy the hype. Um, guys not been on the field for that many games. So I can't take him in the second round. My biggest fade that is against the consensus is Nick Chubb. Um, I, I have Nick Chubb started as my wide, as my running back 24. So, and which is blowing a lot of people's minds. Um, I just, first of all, he doesn't catch the football. So there's no insurance there. And yeah, he put up great numbers last year. Um, but Munkin, as we saw last year in Tampa, he didn't need to run the football. He just put it in the air all the time. They're just going to spray and pray that football with all the weapons they've got, and he's not going to get any of those. They'll go to Duke Johnson. Then you've got the Kareem Hunt question around week 10. So I just can't see where Nick Chubb is going to put up as many yards as he did last year. I just don't see it. I don't see an outcome where that is possible. So he is one I'd fade. Um, in terms of pitfalls and advice, 
draft QB late, round, round 10 or later, um, especially in redraft leagues. Um, I don't care. Unless all of a sudden Andrew Luck's available in the eighth round, then fair enough. Like If that happens, I'm not going to squash you for it. Um, but if you're playing in a single quarterback league, there is no value to having a quarterback that high because you just miss out on value in other positions. Um, so you need to, you know, as long as you're getting a top 12 quarterback in the 10th round or later, someone like James Winston or Matt Ryan are perfect players to target in that range that should still be available. Um, we've talked about remaining fluid and um, whatever you do, ADP is not value. Just it's not value. It's just where people are taking players and people will draft off ADP. You should not be one of those players. Come up with a tiering ranking. Come up with a list of players you feel comfortable taking and take your guys. But more importantly, know the guys who are being selected on that you rate much higher. An example of mine is Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson I have as the wide receiver 30 this year. So it puts him in wide receiver 3 territory. I'm getting this guy round 12 of drafts. I'm drafting players who I rank lower than Albert Wilson before Albert Wilson because that's his value. And I know I can get him in the 11th and 12th round. So why not buy him at the price that he's going for? Why take him in the 8th round and overdraft and lose that value? Now, if someone pips me to him, then I'm a bit gutted. But I'm always taking him maybe one round earlier than his ADP, so I still get the guy. But I end up with the player I want, and I get screaming about it. I think that's great tips to um, for listeners to take on board. I totally agree with you guys with Fournette and Cook. To me, they're they're just not healthy enough to take uh, as high as they're being picked up. Then that comes down to what you're saying about value. They, they're just not valuable at all in my eyes. And any leagues um, that I'll be drafting in, I think I'm going to miss out on them every single time. And it doesn't bother me in the slightest at all. Is there any last um, tips or hints with fantasy or just in the season overall, how do you think um, the Patriots will will do in terms of fantasy? And do you think, I, I don't think we're going to make the, the Super Bowl this year. I'll put it out there right now. I think it's um, Andrew Luck and the Colts that are going to win the AFC. But do you see anyone else um, taking that mantle off the Colts this year or do you think the Patriots will do it again? I, I I don't know how you can write the Patriots off. You know they had a great draft. Yeah, they lost Gronk, but he wasn't Gronk of old last year. All right, he did a good job of blocking, but they'll plug in somebody else. They always do. It's how they play football. They're geared for the playoffs. They build slowly, and I they'll make the playoffs. There's no doubt about that because they play in a play in a pretty poor division, but. I, I, I just don't see how at the moment you can write them off. I think there's a good chance they'll get there and there's a good chance they'll win it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. They play in the worst division in football and they don't need to effectively worry about the first 16 games. They just need to put enough wins on the board to get a bye. That's literally it. That's the only thing that matters. So for them, they need to target 12, 13 wins. They should do that with the schedule they have um, and they should be able to get a bye, whether it's one or two seed. 
they're not going to worry about going on the road to the Chiefs and because they beat them there last year. They're not going to worry about going on the road to Indianapolis because they've got <laughs> the same plan to do it. None of that matters. So for me, in the AFC, I cannot look past the New England Patriots until Tom Brady gets injured or until Bill Belichick is no longer the coach of the team. Um, because you can talk about all the talent in the world, but Patrick Mahomes has to deal with the Chargers and they're not locks to win that division. They had the same record last year. They won it on head-to-head record. Um, the Colts have got the Texans to deal with. Not easy. And who do you see coming up against them in if, if they get to the Super Bowl? Who do you think the NFC champions will be? So I've got a dartboard, and there's 16 teams on it. <laughs> so just give me a dart, and I'll just aim one. I think it's much easier to talk about the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs in the in the NFC than talk about the team that's going to come through and persevere. Because the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs are the Giants, the Redskins, probably Tampa, um, Arizona. Uh, I'm already struggling. <laughs> I'd try to think. They're the four I'd probably rule out. And then anybody else, I think. Oh, San Fran, five. There you go. They're the five teams that won't make the playoffs. So you've got nine teams there. And any one of them can can, can do a job and, and get away. It's just an absolute dogfight. And there isn't a favourite. There isn't a clear favourite. And anyone that thinks that one team is going to absolutely storm it is, is 100% wrong. Because it's all down to health. It's an absolute war. The NFC is the complete opposite of what the Patriots are going to be facing. Um, they're going to be in a war just to get into the playoffs. And you saw it with teams like Philly last year and Dallas, who spent all that energy getting into the playoffs. They had nothing left in the tank when they got there. Yeah, I can see I can see your point there. I, I totally agree with the, the dartboard description. It is going to be an absolute one hell of a fight to watch over the coming season and so actually I think that's why I'm a lot of the time out with the Patriots it's a lot of the games I tend to watch is NFC games because they are so much more competitive and you know especially um, with the Panthers and uh, Saints and in that division I think that could be a, a proper dogfight this year yeah for sure Uh, touching on what you were saying there as well, Stocks, the, have you seen the size of, of Gronk lately or lack of size? Well, I've, I've heard about it. I've heard he's a little bit of a skinny mini now. He's probably gone from, what, 18 stone or whatever he was down to about 13 by the looks of him. Even though he's as tall as he is, he's a, a proper um, skinny link, as we say up here. <laughs> Yeah, but guys, it's been an absolute blast having the um, the two of you on Patriots Nation UK this week, and I can't I've, I can't express uh, my gratitude enough to the both of you giving up your time um, to chat fantasy and to chat Patriots and football overall um, this evening. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, listen, it's our pleasure to come on and get involved with your podcast and spread some of the knowledge we have and. We said it before, the community is massive, and if we can help out in any way at all, we're pleased to. So thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, it's, it's been really good. And, and anybody yeah. listening to 
to, to this. Uh, if you want to know more about uh, how we do things, what we do, if you've got any questions for us, want to know more about where you can get some fantasy resources, um, you can download and subscribe uh, the podcast Five Yard Rush on all good podcast uh, platforms, not SoundCloud. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can find us on Twitter at Five Yard Rush, on all the social media channels, the Gram and Facebook at Five Yard Rush. Get in contact. We, we get in touch with people pretty quickly. Um, get in contact, reach out. We're going to do some more listener leagues. So if you want to find a league and want to play with us, then, then please do. We've got five we've filled. Um, there's plans to do more. We'll just keep doing leagues while people keep wanting them. So um, get involved. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks for having us. It's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, anything we can do to help, if you ever want us back, just, just give us a give us a tinkle. Cool, I will do. No, thank you very much, guys. Um, it has been much appreciated. Um, Murph and Stocks, that you can find them at Five Yard Rush on Twitter. And um, as they say, you can also get them on um, Facebook and other social media channels as well. This has been um, Patriots Nation UK. I have been your host at Matt Inkster on Twitter. Um, you will also find me on Facebook and Instagram, but I mostly use Twitter these days. Now, I can testify for what Murph's saying there. Anything I've asked them or pinged them a message or just added them on Twitter about anything, rapid response. Um, you will get it, and I can also testify for their listener leagues. Please go to their website, um, go on to their Twitter, fire them a message, a DM, whatever you want to do, because the, the listener leagues are, are going to be great this season. And as I was saying earlier on, the for me, if people lose interest, I lose interest, but everyone involved in the listener leagues, and the, the one that I'm in, it's been banter so far, even though we're just into the the third day of July as we're recording this. It's been banterful and I'm well looking forward to it. So again, PatriotsNationUK.com is the blog and at Matt Tinkster on Twitter, you'll find me there. And remember folks, do your job because there are no days off.